Co-hosts as always, Colin and Craig. How are you both? I'm good, Dennis. I'm good. I'm hating that missing hour right now. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> recording this the morning after daylight savings changed. We stupid Germans. Stupid Germans. <laughs> yes, money saving Germans. Um. All right. Like I said, this is going to be Imitation Game, which is a 2014 movie. Um. And I'm going to pass it off to Craig, because this is his selection. So, Craig, take it away. Introduce this movie. Yeah, so um, The Imitation Game is uh, based on the real-life story of legendary crypt analysis Alan Turing. Uh, the film portrays the race against time by Turing and his team of codebreakers at Britain's top-secret government code and cipher school in Bletchley Park during the darkest days of World War II. Three specific time periods in the life of Alan Turing are presented in the movie. The first is the span of World War II, at the beginning of which Alan Turing is hired by the British government to work on a team whose secret project is to break what is seen as the unbreakable secret code behind the Nazis' communications machine named Enigma. Uh, if they can break this code, it would give the Allies an advantage and possibly even in the war. The problem is that Enigma is code recoded every day so that even if the team can decipher the messages from that day, the code would be obsolete the next day. Uh, there are 159 million million million, which is 159 with 18 zero behind, zeros behind it, uh, possible codes that could be input into Enigma. Turing is a largely arrogant, antisocial, solitary, and literal-minded man. Uh, he's the bane of his team's existence, especially that of his superior commander, Denniston, and Hugh Alexander, who is initially hired as the team lead, team's leader uh, until Alan Turing uh, writes a letter to Winston Churchill, who grants him uh, leadership over the team. Uh, while Hugh and the rest of the team work on breaking the day-to-day -day codes, believing that to be the only way to learn the secret of Enigma, Alan works by uh, developing a machine that has um, sort of the founding principles of artificial intelligence. Uh, and he believes that this is required not just to break the daily code, but to break any code immediately once it's put into Enigma. One problem Alan has is convincing Deniston to fund the machine for 100 million, or sorry, 100,000 um, pounds. And uh, over time, the tone of the team changes um, with the inclusion of Joan Clark, uh, who becomes the only female member of the team. Joan not only adds another brilliant mind, but also provides Alan with a sense of how to behave socially and get things accomplished in a team setting. Joan's participation in the project is threatened by traditional values, not from her male team members, but from her parents who see her place in the world as someone's wife. Uh, the second uh, period of time in the movie is 1928, when Alan is a youth uh, attending boarding school. Uh, even then, he is seen as being different and is bullied because of it. His only real friend at school is Christopher Morcom. Christopher uh, ends up being the name that he gives to his machine um, as um, we find that they are more than just friends and um, Turing 
um, you know, is secretly in love with him. Um, though he doesn't really get the chance to express that because when he finally works up the courage to say so, um, it turns out that Christopher doesn't return to school because he has died of um, of a disease. Bovine tuberculosis. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so yes, Christopher dies of uh, bovine tuberculosis and um, Alan Turing never gets the chance to uh, express his true feelings to him. Uh, the third period of time is 1951, um, after the war, and um, Alan's Manchester home is reported uh, to have been broken into by his neighbor, um, but because nothing is stolen, Alan is quick to dismiss the police, but the lead investigator, Detective Robert Nock, believes Alan is hiding something uh, and dismissing them so quickly. Um, the police eventually discover uh, that he's uh, been hiding his homosexuality, which is illegal in Britain at the time, um, but Nock believes there's something more to it, and so he decides to interrogate Turing on his own, uh, which provides us the narration throughout the movie of uh, his experiences during World War II. Um, in the end, he is convicted of gross indecency, and instead of choosing to go to prison uh, and being away from his work and uh, the one thing that he really loves at this point, which is uh, Christopher the Machine, uh, he decides to um, opt for chemical castration. And essentially, he is, uh, at, by the end of the movie, um, unable to work and kind of lost in a fog and uh, we find out at the end of the movie that he kills himself a year later uh, in the closing scenes. And that about sums up The Imitation Game. Yeah, happy times. Yeah. Good, good happy times. <laughs> yeah, um, it was, um, yeah, this one was, like, really got to me at the end. It was yeah. like, holy shit, oh, yeah. like, I, I don't know. I didn't know like the whole like Alan Turing story. You know, I've heard. You know, he was like you know the father of modern computers. Basically, the and, guy who invented the computer. Yeah, yeah. and um, I just didn't know like all of like the nitty gritty or and even some of the details in this are you know not as accurate. And there's a lot of debate as to um, the accuracy of this movie. Um, just a couple of things um, on the accuracy. You know, like the machine wasn't actually named Christopher. It was. Uh, named Victory, um, and it was actually a more collaborative effort than the movie puts into. Um, also, that what like that machine wasn't the only one that was built. Again, it was a like a large project that was going on across a few different divisions of like. The right. It, it was based on like a Polish prototype. Yeah. Um, something that was previously quote unquote invented, I guess. And it wasn't really a computer, it was like a precursor to it was a, a thing, but the, these were the types of machines that later grew in to become right. Computers. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I know the director like, you know, was saying that um essentially he wanted it to be more of the he wanted people to get a feeling of how it felt to be Alan Turing more so that it was like a straight up, you know, documentary effort to right. analyze like or like portray every single event that happened um and i think that that comes across very well and we didn't mention that this movie is directed by morton tildum he's a uh, norwegian filmmaker oh uh but before we dive too much into this movie i just want to say uh craig once again with the uh scenery costumes uh craig is dressed uh 
just great as the machine. Uh, My like name I is Christopher. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I, I, I can barely see your face behind all those uh, wires and like uh, turning knobs with letters on them. It's, and that that clicking noise is just terrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, this noise is just disastrous. There we go. <laughs> I mean, I know you're going for accuracy with the whole machine and everything and how much noise it makes. Right. Yeah, sorry. I'll turn myself down. Yeah. I'll, let me just, yeah, sorry about that. We are doing a, an audio I was running a little hot. I just needed to vent a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, yeah, Colin, your uh, Alan Turing costume here. Um, you've even got like the little ticks going on. I do. I've, I've studied Benedict Cumberpatch thoroughly and I've tried to replicate everything physically um i am eating peas and carrots and making sure that they don't touch because you, we, you we've noticed you've been a giant asshole about it all morning <laughs> um well guys i'm method you know so. <laughs> just gonna dump a pile of carrots and peas on you but um dennis i have to applaud your uh costume you're uh, dressed as um the uh Charles Dance's character. <laughs> Can't remember the his name. Uh, Dillerson, right? Dillerton. Oh, D- the uh, Dinniston. 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 Yes. Dinniston. You're Dinniston. Your captain or major, or whatever uh, Dinniston costume yep. is pretty spot on. Uh, you've got you know the insignia for your rank and everything, and you've just been very. Scowly, yeah, scowly, right. and yeah, hurt and, and very military-like. Yeah, it's um, I I've also taken kind of like a method approach to my costume and just been a general asshole to everyone that I've come across for no real good reason. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> so, so the imitation game. Um, so this movie has a cold open, and kind of a weird cold open. I thought because it. Like from the cold open, you would think a big portion of this movie is like the the mystery behind why doesn't he want the cops like researching him? Like you would think that the cops would be a bigger part of the movie, and right. they're not. Yeah. Well, so why choose that as the cold open? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, because it turns out that I think it was to kind of do like the narration from the future type of thing, you know that that old cliche because that that is happening like after all of the events of world war ii in the movie yeah so it's like i feel like that's kind of like supposed to be like them like leading into that like setting the tone of him like talking in the future at the beginning of the movie uh and then like them going back because he's um he's essentially in the interrogation as he's narrating throughout the movie yeah yeah it's set up that way but they um they don't go back to that flash forward enough and so there's like it's like like 30 minutes you're like sucked into this story that he's telling and you forget that he's actually being interrogated and it's just like i don't know it felt kind of clunky once they do get back to that portion you're like oh that's right right this whole thing is like under uh interrogation and i and i really liked those scenes like i wish that was one of my my uh critiques about the movie was that i wish there was more of the interrogation part to kind of uh, solidify the storytelling. I mean, overall, I really love this movie. Oh, I, I think it's great. I, yeah, I think it was a, it was a really ac- executed very well. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch just kills it, and he has to. Um, yeah, this movie did very well, both critically and commercially. It had a budget of fourteen million dollars, had a box office gross of two hundred and fifteen million dollars. Wow! Um, it won the Oscar for best adapted screenplay. It had Oscar nominations for best picture, best directing. Best Actor for Benedict Cumberpatch and Best Actress for Kira Knightley. 
Benedict Cumberpatch. <laughs> Cumberbatch. Cumber Cumberpatch. Cumber Cum- Benedict. The most is it the most British name in all of existence? Uh, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. It, I mean, it is. <laughs> I don't think you can come up with I a think more. His, I'm pretty sure his English middle name is Jeeves. Name. <laughs> Jeeves. Um, so yeah, I, I thought like you know from the beginning when it was kind of like the opening narration, it totally just felt like he was talking directly to the audience. You know, it's like, are you paying attention? Like, <laughs> it's like, listen very closely listen, to the narrator. Like, I won't repeat myself. Yeah. I won't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wait, wait, are you talking to me? Yeah, I think they're doing that on purpose. Though I think they're supposed to be have it be that you're he's talking to you saying are are you paying attention pay attention closely we're gonna tell you the story but that i think he's supposed to be like in the interrogation though like isn't it he's because he's they start that scene again like when he like actually like sits down for the interrogation on screen yeah he starts with that's the same when line. we catch up to the cold open yeah is when he's in the interrogation he sits down and he says are you paying attention so it seems really weird that he would like just like say that to the police officer like, right. like to the detective in that moment well he says like, it in a way like he's in a christopher nolan movie yeah. and there's gonna be this huge plot twist later on yeah well, but it's not that at all you know it's, it's a all very part of his movie. uh his his character though of him being the way he is and and almost the way he, he uh benedict cumberbatch portrays alan turing in this movie is is almost as if he's on the autism spectrum yeah oh, definitely like, like like asperger's I'm, like yeah, yeah. Like pretty, i'm pretty sure it's supposed to be that way well yeah and that's that's another thing that i was reading in terms of the accuracy is like they were saying like in real life like alan turing was not so like yeah literal he wasn't so like cut and dry like he actually like was like fairly humorous and people actually liked yeah, him yeah friends yeah <laughs> and that's one of my you critiques was like i don't think the movie does a great job of showing us um the other guys in the group coming around and like joining behind him because it's like okay he gives some apples he tells a joke and like suddenly they'll quit if they fire him yeah yeah (laughs) that was a little fast if we're doing this whole story like let's see more of the arc of these guys coming to like him or coming to support him and and the other guys include uh bobo samwise gamgee the good looking Uh, one the the, the child and kira knightley (laughs) bobo samwise gamgee is tom the chauffeur who ends up marrying one of the daughters on uh, downton abbey oh a show I've never watched. I've Nor heard I. good things. Yeah. It's fine. Is it like one of those shows that's like, uh, it's really about nothing? Or <laughs> uh, kind of. It, it's like a soap opera about um, the rich people and the servants and all this stuff yeah. in the like, turn of the century England. It's good. Like, really good acting. But yeah, the storylines are kind of meh. Hmm. But it's it's good. I, I recommend watching it. Anyways, back to World War Two, <laughs> yes. the nerdy edition. Yeah, um, I did like the, um, yeah, and I, I feel like they did try and do, like I said, because they were not necessarily trying to be like a documentary. They were wanted more of a feeling. Right. I feel like a lot of those things were exaggerated because they wanted to get the point across as much as possible. Like, he was, like, isolated. He was, you know, you know, an outcast. He was this, I like, bet he was kind of a weirdo. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was a genius. So, yeah. like, yeah. he was, like, uh, Of course. Geniuses are always, like... I mean, uh, like we're all outliers. weird, right? Right, guys? <laughs> right. I wasn't referring to myself, but, yeah. you know, I'm weird for other reasons, <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, like, you know, typically geniuses are always outliers, like, socially, because, like, who do you talk to when your brain works at that high of a level? Yeah. Uh, other than other geniuses. Um, <laughs> and he was a genius among geniuses, even, so... Um, but, 
I, I was thinking like, you know, like even when he was a kid and like those little moments with like him and Chris Dreffer, I thought were very like well played and were um, got the point across very well. Like it was like an understated type of like their attraction and like their friendship and the relationship. Yeah, that was and, paced really well. And those two young actors are really good. They do a great job of showing that relationship and not really even explaining anything, but uh, just through like the visual language we get to see like they really care for each other so deeply and all that. The, yeah. They're, they're really good young actors. Yeah. The, those scenes could have been awkward and terrible and they weren't. Um, I and, did think young Turing should have learned the uh, one inch punch. <laughs> to get out of the <laughs> to get out of yeah. the yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I do wish there was just a sudden clip of Kill Bill Volume Two. Right. Like, bang, this, bang. this movie was directed by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, is that what you're gonna get? It just like busts out and just like beats the shit out of those kids. Yeah. Just like, ah. <laughs> let's do a just a separate like funnier die video. That's just that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it, and that's a really good thing about this movie is that it has really good pacing and. Um, I liken this movie to Hidden Figures because both are dealing with very boring material and they're putting out a two-hour movie. And so they have to spice it up by making, you know, kind of tweaks to the character maybe or the story at large. Or condensing, like, right. a lot of, like, things that happened into a very small period of yeah, time. Yeah, or else it's just a snooze fest and just a straight-up bi biopic. Uh, documentary narrated thing you know? and they both are two hour movies that don't feel like two hour movies no. that they're thoroughly watchable and like it's over and you're like oh well I can't believe that two hours just went yeah down. yeah I totally had uh, speaking of hidden figures that moment when Joan Clark comes in for the test and they're like oh you're a woman what are you doing here and then um, that moment when he acknowledges like okay gentlemen and lady and i was like oh hidden figures like had that kind of moment but they didn't acknowledge the lady right. yeah, and i was like exactly. oh those brits they're just one step ahead of us all the time yeah. and like <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and yeah they're just like oh yeah like and lady let's not forget about you and um i thought joan clark i liked her character in this movie a lot um even though again historically it was it was a little bit different but in this movie i really did like their relationship was um one of the best parts of the movie for me uh, yeah because it was this weird thing where i feel like she she knew like what was going on because i'm like if you get to the point of like where you've been engaged with someone and there probably wasn't a whole lot of sex going on like you picked up yeah. on things you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, like, she even says that in the movie she's like well i had suspicions when yeah. he says i'm when homosexual he, you're, you're engaged to a gay man you know yeah <laughs> when he does like the whole like old yeller thing of like you know i hate you get out of here like go like you know when he's like trying oh, to, like, when he ends oh the when engagement? Trying, yeah, yeah and, he, and he's trying scene. to do yeah he's trying to do like the whole like get out of here i hate yeah. you and she's like no <laughs> she's, yeah i'm not going anywhere and i, I, love, I love that love like that. she like yeah came back and was like i don't even care about like you anymore like at this point like this is what i want to do so i'm going to do like, it we're doing something that's more important than you or me or any like one part of it and speaking of that that's one of the things about this movie that i love and about the, the story that i love. like how hard would it have to be to be able to like have to let people die knowing even though you oh, have God. this intelligence but you can't let the germans know that you've broken their cipher so it's like how hard must that be that you're like oh we could save all these people but we can't because we can't let them know 
that we've broken the code. Uh, yeah, no that that was that was another really good scene is when the uh, the kid the, the yeah, kid team the, member the one who's like somehow there's a 15 year old yeah. on this code breaking <laughs> team. But yeah, when he, his brother is on the ship that is going to be sunk and they're like we're sorry but we can't yeah. yeah it's such a good scene yeah I, I feel like they selected the uh team for bletchley park much in the same way that they select members of boy bands it was like oh yeah the bad boy like <laughs> the shy one <laughs> the baby <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> does that make alan turing the bad boy <laughs> uh no i'd say that's like the the what's his name he's like the hound dog like you know hugh? he flirts with everyone yeah hugh he was like the bad boy. Like I could see him like rolling up to Tyrese Park he in was, like a he motorcycle. Tyrese. <laughs> Tyrese. I, 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 he wasn't I, I, as been, misogynistic even as Tyrese. Again, he's been, British, so it would have been awesome if, if there was if there was like a uh, you know a, a team building montage like all a. Uh, Fast and the Furious Five. Like, <laughs> we need we need the code breaker, and then it goes to this high school, and it's just like kid whiz and he's solving all this shit all fast and yeah slide ruling it and then he goes like, we need a wheel man we and need then a wheel Tom man. from Downton Abbey just comes yeah. whirling around in his yeah. he's really the Russian spy yeah uh, oh we didn't even break touch onto that part but, oh yeah um, no he really is the Russian yeah, he's spy he's a Russian spy um, but also that all of this is being done for MI6 that they're working under the auspices of like an intelligence agency. And it turns out that um, M more or less the guy who hired them, it knows <laughs> that he is a Russian. Sp- He's actually it, the character of M is really based on this guy or guys like this in real life during world war two. Ah. Um, oh, when Ian Fleming was writing those books, he based M basically on uh, this guy or a guy like him in MI6. Um, but he knows that that guy is a, a Russian spy and he keeps them on there anyway so that they can choose what information they're going to feed to the Russians as well as what information they're going to like break and act on against the Germans. They're also using this guy so that they can feed certain information or not feed certain information to the Russians. And at the same time, blackmailing Alan Turing into yes, not releasing whatever. that information to uh, his commanding officer, I guess Deniston, that'd be. That's me. <laughs> Charles Dance. I love Charles Dance in this movie. I wish there was more Charles Dance in yeah, this movie. Charles Dance is great. Um, Charles Dance uh, is one of the few James Bond connections in this movie, because anytime we do a movie full of British people, I'm going to be pointing out James Bond connections. Uh, of course. <laughs> um, Charles Dance plays Klaus, one of the henchmen in For Your Eyes Only. And uh, Rory Kinnear, the guy who plays Detective Robert Nock, he plays Tanner, uh, M's assistant in all of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Uh, but those are the only Bond connections I uh, am aware of in this particular uh, British movie. <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought the whole, like, uh, that scene where they're talking about deciding which attacks to make and not make and you know, kind of like the lies that the government tell the people to, you know, keep them safe or, you know, things like that. I, I thought that was, uh, uh, I mean, it's something that's always reflected because that's something that is constantly happening in terms of, you know, what we're allowed to know as people and what we are, you know, what we're told and what actually happens in really anything. Um, 
and yeah there's tons of stuff that we don't know like is happening or isn't happening even this story was classified for decades yeah yeah and i thought the way they like broke that down in that scene was uh was very well done in terms of um sorry i'm just gonna uh scene good movie good movie yeah, movies the, guys talking movies um no um but no i really did enjoy that scene of um yeah it, it's really weird to think about how like yes our government lies to us like all the time but sometimes but, it's for like good reasons yeah at the sometimes same time it's, it's actually like, keeping us safe yeah, there's like just shit that we don't really even want to know, and if we did know, then it'd be like, well, like yeah, we know, like yeah, that was probably not a great thing to do, but at the same time, it's like, do you like, you know, living in a democracy? Do you like, like, not being, you know, bombed on, or like, do you like the fact that we ended the war like two well, years early? Two years early, saved the lives of like millions and millions yeah. of people. It's 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 crazy, like the whole risk factor analysis of of this movie in terms of how it's like number crunching and it's like all like down to the logical like conclusion as opposed to like what you emotionally feel. Like yes, we want to save as many lives as possible, but but that may not mean like going out and like trying to stop every attack. And in fact, that would actually do more harm than good well of course they're british they're the vulcans of this planet <laughs> you know it, it's all logic based. stiff upper lip and Ooh, stiff upper lip don't allow that. your emotions to <laughs> compromise it, it, things they yeah. even say stiff upper lip in one scene it's a uh well he died of bovine cancer or bovine tuberculosis you know it, it was a good chap about it he never said it anything stiff, stiff upper, upper lip, lip. Yeah. yeah it's like he was good that sucks that's not a good thing that he just shut up about it just keep calm and carry on <laughs> <laughs> well uh that keep calm and carry on thing is like a is real in british society especially yeah. british society during world war ii i came across a thing online one time which was like um rules for a golf course in england and it was special modified rules during the wartime and so it was things like you can move your ball your ball if it's landed inside of a bomb crater uh if all these things and all of this stuff was just like oh yeah so we're going to keep on playing um, <laughs> no no penalty is incurred if uh, your ball is moved because of an explosion <laughs> so it like there really are the, this like fortitude um, like strong people, they they really did have to go hide in the subways because the city was being bombed. Right. Uh, can I just say how? But I, I I just the end of this movie, I was just oh, I was just so fucking so fuck. just like torn up. I was just like the fucking greatest mind in England and like maybe the world at the time, and he fucking is chemically castrated because he's gay. Just because he's gay. <laughs> and I'm and just like. He's like literally like helped to win the war, but it's like no, you're gay. Right. Sorry. Right. And <laughs> you're getting chemically castrated, and yeah, either that or you're going to prison. It right. wasn't until uh, Queen Elizabeth II who uh, part gave him a posthumous pardon. 2013. And then it wasn't until uh, I think. Gordon Brown or like one of the very recent prime ministers issued a public apology to Turing's family and to like just his estate or whatever on behalf of the British government. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, homosexuality was a huge taboo back then, and it was, like literally was a crime. Yeah, gross indecency, which is just like God, <laughs> just the name of that. It's just... But also, there was a a thing that, like a title card at the end, which I didn't write down, but of the number of men who were like who this was done to back then and it's it's really shocking and horrifying yeah um i thought everyone did a phenomenal job acting in this oh yeah there's not a single um bad performance in this movie yeah like Kara knightley was really good uh mark strong who plays the m character the mysterious mi6 dude very very good uh the even um like the side peripheral characters like uh um who is it it's bobo samwise gamji i'm just gonna keep calling him that (laughs) i am just gonna keep calling him tom from downton abbey okay that's Um, fine but yeah like they're all great i I also found the guy who plays hugh to be very charming and very um yeah i don't know just like you can't take your eye off of him no and um it was well written in that regard uh, it had to be, if you think about it, because again, it's kind of boring material, and so they have to make it engaging. And uh, yeah, they have to find a way of like these guys, like just trying to break codes. They're just doing like yep. math yeah. and stuff. <laughs> and they're to... crossword nerds. Yeah, they they managed to make crossword puzzles like engaging and fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. like the whole scene where the the test to get the thing is to solve a crossword puzzle, and you're like, oh wow, is anybody gonna make it? <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, crossword puzzles are really engaging and fun. Um, it has a great score, really good music in it, and cinematography really good. And it, I just thought it was a really well done movie. Period. Well, yeah, that's why it was so successful, both critically and commercially. It, 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 it really is awesome. I mean, there's I'm out of notes on it, but it's, it's I would, a hard movie to talk about, kind of because I was kind of wondering uh, if they were like lying about everything else involving like Joan, and it's like, oh yeah, well she can't go to Bletchley Park because her parents don't want her working around a bunch of guys, and it's like, well then they tell the parents that she's going to be working with a bunch of like women, and then they like make her work with all the women, and I was like, well if you're lying about everything else, yeah. then why not just like tell them that she's working with the women then just have her work with the guys? Like but then she does just start working with the guys. Yeah, eventually, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's before or after she's engaged to Turing, but it's... I think it was after, because yeah. she, she like, yeah, she's working in like Hut 3 for a long time. And, and he's then... sneaking papers and stuff out to her, and he yeah. has to go through... At one point, you're like, there is a spy, and you're like, whoa, what is it him? Because he's sneaking all these documents and stuff out. And you're like, oh, no, he's just taking those to her. Yeah, and then it's like also like, oh, well, like also, yeah, he was also like a national hero for Britain, so he probably yeah, didn't probably not be a spy. A spy. <laughs> but they do like play the tension in the movie really well. Like Even it's like one of those things where it's like, I mean, I didn't personally know how it ends because I'm not like that. I don't, I'm not up, like up on like the history of Alan Turing all that much, but um, like for people who are like, you know, history buffs, right. you know, they like know how it's going to end, but yeah. I still feel like they did a pretty good job of like providing tension throughout the movie of, you know, like, well, what's going to happen? Like, <laughs> will they break the code? Yeah. Like, <laughs> will will, we, will, will we? the Germans win the war? <laughs> Tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that's pretty much all my uh, hmm. 
but yeah that's pretty much all my notes that i have for this movie um how about you guys yeah that pretty much wraps me up uh other than i mean just reiterating like how solid it is i mean from start to end there isn't a, a bad shot there isn't a bad piece of dialogue there isn't i mean I, there's very little things you can nitpick about this movie it, it's just really really solid yep yeah yeah, going back again, it's like I think really the one thing that like peeved off it mostly just like historians were the people that were just the most had the most to say about this movie in a negative sense. And again, it's like a movie, so right. yeah, <laughs> of course things are gonna change. Yeah, if it's a documentary, then it's like okay, then yeah, let's talk about the historical yeah. accuracy, like right. down to the like granular detail. But for a movie, I thought it did an amazing job of portraying. Again, the feeling of the time, the tension of, you know, this thing that could be very dry, like, and seems like it would be a very dry thing looking at on face value. It does a very good job of bringing excitement to that and of of exploring, like, who Alan Turing was and just the feeling of trying to fucking win a war. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it gets you interested in a very important story. Um, all right, well... I think that wraps up uh, part two of our biopic block 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 biopic 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 all right well uh, I guess um, do we have anything to correct from last week last week was, was the, the ice the man, ice man. Uh, uh, I don't have anything no. I don't either. Um, still don't see it. Just no, don't, I just, it, actually, yeah, yeah I kind of hate it more. <laughs> yeah, still gonna say, if you haven't seen the Iceman, go ahead and still don't go ahead with not seeing the Iceman. Right, yeah. unless you're just really into mob shit and just like can't get enough. Then maybe I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Even then, there's so many better mob movies. Right. Yeah, you can kill time better. <laughs> um. Well, I uh, guess we'll go on to recommendations. And uh, anyone got a recommendation they want to start off with? Uh, I was talking briefly about James Bond during this. I'm a huge James Bond fan, and so uh, I'm going to recommend a podcast. It's called uh, James Bonding with Matt and Matt. Matt Myra and Matt Gorley go through the entire catalog of the James Bond films, and it's a very funny show. I second that. Very, very good show. Um, I don't know if we've recommended this one before, but uh, the Adventure Time podcast is also amazing. Um, it is, I can't remember their names, damn it. But uh, they um, play D&D, and essentially they start with like one of the starter campaigns, um, and they get through that one pretty quickly, and then it's like weird, crazy, like Mad Max type Oh, crazy fun. madness with like Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> flair to it. So, oh, that sounds um, really cool. Yeah, Adventure Time. Uh, great D&D podcast. Um, I am going to recommend a podcast as well. Um, and that is The Last Podcast on the Left. Um, it's Ben Kissel, Marcus Parks, and um, Henry Zabrowski. Yes, that's it. It's these two dudes, and they go over... Um, it's kind of like horror-based, I guess. They go over like horror stories and stuff like this. And, uh, but mostly they end up talking about conspiracy theories and just making fun of them. And they're pretty fucking hilarious. Um, yeah. Uh, weird shit. Kind of. It's just really good 
presentation as far as the podcast goes. I really enjoy what they do. But that's about it as far as recommendations go. Um, am I forgetting anything? Uh, next up, we are going to be doing 2002's Catch Me If You Can uh, by Steven Spielberg. It is the real-life story of Frank William Abagnale, one of the most successful um, confidence scheme artists and check forgers of all time. Join us. Yes, yes, that will be part three of our biopic block. Yeah, I guess that will wrap us up for this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. You can listen to all of the episodes of our podcast, I Want You to Watch This, on soundcloud.com forward slash IWYTWT. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Want You to Watch This with the letter U and the number two. And join us for some movie talk on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash IWYTWT. And if you like what you're listening, um, and you probably do because this is like, what, episode 14 by now? Uh, please write us a nice review on iTunes and helps us grow our audience and, uh, you know, kind of motivates us to do these things more. Oh, and uh, another thing. Uh, if you are interested in being a guest on I Want You to Watch This, please contact us on our Facebook, or sorry, no, uh, Twitter feed. Want You to Watch This. Letter U, number two. All right. I guess uh, join us next week for part three of our biopic vlog. Catch me if you can. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.